official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Well, uh, we're going to do something a little different that I don't think we've ever done before. I'm going to invite my wife to come up. She's going to bake us some bread while I'm preaching. And we'll see if it's ready in time for communion. I think it's going to be. Um, if it's not, it, it, if it's not, we'll know when we, when we go to taste it. <laughs> the reason that we're going to do this this morning is because we're going to look at a parable that Jesus tells about bread making. And this is our fourth week looking at Jesus' teachings on the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God was a topic that he taught more about than any other topic. Most likely because it's a topic, it's a concept that we have a very difficult time comprehending because the only frame of reference we have for kingdoms are our own earthly kingdoms. But Jesus tells us that the kingdom of God isn't like our earthly kingdoms. And so he gave us a frame of reference for it by talking about the kingdom in forms of parables. He, he would say things like this, the kingdom of God is like a fishing net. Or he would say, I know you don't understand the kingdom because you have no frame of reference for it, but the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And his disciples would go, oh, what do you mean by that? <laughs> he would say the kingdom of God is like yeast put into bread. And in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells seven such parables about the kingdom of God. We're going to look at one of those today. It's in Matthew chapter 13, verse 33. In Matthew 13, 33, it says, He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. And so I have this dough up here. Um, it, it's sticking to the plastic. You can see this lump of dough here. And I also brought a little bit of yeast. And what I find so surprising about this yeast is how small it is in comparison to the dough. And, and, and what amazes me about it is it affects that entire ball of dough. And when you work the, the yeast into the dough, you can't see it any longer. You can see the effects of it, right? They're gradual. They're slow. There's this steady process of transformation because when you put the yeast in the dough, even though it's seemingly hidden, right? It's mixed in. You can't see it. It's almost invisible. It has this transformative power. Because the, the, the dough starts to take a different shape. And, and all of a sudden, something else forms. Now, the crazy thing about yeast, it, it doesn't have that effect on any other foods. We could put this on a steak. Nothing's going to happen other than it's just going to taste terrible. Sour. We could put it on vegetables and fruits. And, you know, we could put it on other kinds of food. And... and, and doesn't change. It doesn't form that food. It's only when we put it in bread that there's this 
transformative power that's released, right? This slow and silent, steady process takes place from, from the inside. And it's gradual, but it's radical. And eventually it would alter that, that ball of dough into something entirely different. And so Jesus says this, the kingdom of God is like yeast put into dough. There's this mysterious, mysterious dynamic that happens when, when yeast interacts with dough. Uh, and so when Jesus says this, you have to understand that this is the only time where Jesus references yeast in a positive way. Because there are several other instances in the Gospels when Jesus talks about leaven and yeast in a negative way. In fact, he'd say something like this, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Because the inside the Pharisees' teaching is, is yeast. These little grains, and, and, they, and they're hidden. But, but if, if you listen to the, to the teaching of the Pharisees, what you'll find is that there's yeast in there, there's leaven in there, and it's of hypocrisy and and if you, you have just a little bit of that, it'll spread and take form in you. So he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the legalism and the hypocrisy. He says this too in the Gospels, beware of the leaven of the Sadducees. The Sadducees were a group of religious leaders that did not believe in the supernatural. They didn't believe in the miraculous power of God or resurrection. And Jesus says, beware of their leaven because you won't see it. It's hidden, but, but when it gets inside your heart and it starts to expand and invade your heart, it, it's not going to be a good outcome. And then he'll say later on in the Gospels, beware of the leaven of the Herodians. And the Herodians were a group of people that made materialism their end goal. And he said, be careful because it's small and you can't see it and it's mysterious and it's slow, but when it gets in your heart, it takes over. But in this parable... Jesus uses yeast to describe how the kingdom of God works. See, everyone was expecting the kingdom of God to come a certain way. They were expecting it. When Jesus would teach on the kingdom, they were expecting the kingdom of God to come in this grandiose, triumphant way. It would be fast. It would be furious. Rome would be overthrown in a day. Uh, the Jewish nation would be set free uh, of their, their taxation and their oppression. But Jesus said to them, no. The kingdom isn't like that. The kingdom of God is like yeast. It's, there's this slow, steady, mysterious, seemingly invisible, somewhat hidden movement. But it's transformative. The work is real. It's undeniable. And Jesus actually tells his disciples, the kingdom of God is already in your midst, even if you can't see it. Jesus was essentially saying to them, I'm coming to inaugurate the kingdom. And when I came into the world as God incarnate, it was like putting yeast in bread. It was, it was silent. It was seemingly hidden, but something radical was taking place. Jesus said, when God, me, when God came, put on flesh and entered into the world, it, it's like yeast going into bread. You, you, it's, it's silent. It's, it's, it's hidden. It's, you don't see it, but there's this transformative power that's starting to take place. And, and the disciples were seeing that somehow Jesus was starting to change the whole loaf, but they didn't fully understand it. And he's telling them the yeast is already mixed in. Even if the whole loaf isn't fully leavened yet, the world is never going to be the same. 
Because the kingdom is among you, and it's at work, even if you don't see it. I don't know about you, but that is the best news I could possibly get. It is, because when I look at the brokenness in my own life, when I look at the brokenness that I see in the world, it's about appealing as a raw ball of dough. Like, I look at the brokenness in my life and in the world, and, and it's, it's just not super appealing. But when I hear about the kingdom of God coming to earth as it is in heaven, how God is going to finish what he started, he's going to restore creation, all of creation restored to its original intent, how heaven and, and earth are going to merge together, and they're going to create a place where there's no more war, no more famine, no more poverty, no more corruption, no more sexual abuse, no more racism, no more fear, no more pollution, no more mistrust, no more violence, no more oppression. Listen, a place where there's no insecurity or fear. Can you imagine such a place? A place, that the, Isaiah the prophet tells us, a place where the lion lays down with the lamb. Where everything is working as God originally intended. When I hear about that, when I hear that good news, I feel like I'm smelling fresh baked bread just about to come out of the oven. <laughs> I feel like, I feel a sense of tremendous hope that I don't have to live on raw dough forever. <laughs> because God's transforming it. He's transforming the world into something else. Even if it's not leavened fully yet, it, it's, it's unstoppable because the yeast is already in the dough. Because the kingdom of God, Jesus says, is like yeast. Now, this parable, it not only has a general application, it also has an individual application. It, it speaks of how the kingdom of God works in the world, but it also speaks of how the kingdom of God works in our heart and in our own lives. And I think we overlook this bit, and we miss the lesson this parable teaches us in regard to our own spiritual growth and development. See, if the kingdom of God spreads in our hearts like yeast spreads through dough, then our spiritual growth and development is less about behavior modification and more about formation. Amen. If the kingdom of God is like yeast, as Jesus teaches, and it spreads through our heart, then that implies that, that our spiritual growth and development is less about behavior modification and more about God's formative, transformative power in our lives and in our hearts. Let, let me explain a little what I mean by that. One of the many mistakes we as preachers, and I'm including myself in this, we as preachers and teachers in the American church make, is we emphasize behavior modification over formation. In other words, we focus on doing and not on who we're becoming. Sermons essentially become this. Do more of this, do less of that. Don't sin anymore, read your Bible. Pray more, try harder. That's essentially what, we, what we, we reduce it to. But changing our behavior does not mean we're being formed into God's image. I'll give, me, give you a few examples. 
I could put together a sermon next week, and I could preach on generosity, and I could use scripture to convince you to modify your behavior and give more money to the next step fund, to a homeless shelter, to your neighbor who, who, who can't pay their light bill. I could do it. We could look at Scripture, and I said, look, Scripture tells you to, to be a giver, and you should give, and I can convince you. I could even show you in Scripture, I could pull up a few verses and show you, no, if you give, God promises to give back to you tenfold. But giving money won't make you a generous person. Because generosity is response, it, it's a product of your values, not a behavior modification. In fact, I'd argue this, that if you're giving in order to receive a blessing from God, you're operating out of greed, not generosity. <laughs> you're operating out of greed because, yo, oh, I'll give. Yeah, the Bible tells me to give. I should give, but I'll get, I'll get back if I give. But that's not generosity. So, so even though you change the behavior... It doesn't make you a generous person, right? Because there's a difference between behavior modifying and formation, being formed into the image of God, because one starts here in the heart. The other is just a response to pressure. I could preach a sermon next week on the sin of lust. I could use scripture to condemn you. I, I, could, I could. I could get you to modify your behavior. We could look at the scripture and how, how you can modify your behavior and your thoughts around lust. But listen, until the values of the kingdom saturate your heart, what you'll fail to see is that what you're really looking for is, is real true intimacy the way God intended and not a cheap imitation of it. But until the kingdom values kind of get in your heart and start spreading, you won't see that. So you could change your behavior, you could modify it, but are you being formed? I could, I could preach a sermon next week on caring for the poor. Lots and lots of Bible verses on caring for the poor. I could use scripture to try to shame you into serving at our homeless banquet, the next homeless banquet. On the third Saturday of every month, our friends at New Moon Cafe, they host this a wonderful, beautiful banquet for the homeless population, our homeless friends and neighbors, and people from different churches and campus ministries go and serve that meal and sit down and eat it with them and make friends. And I could, we could spend a whole series. I could look up all the scripture verses and caring for the poor and preach, and I could probably convince you to sign up, and we'd have a sign-up sheet this big to go serve at the, the shelter. But when the kingdom of God is at work in your heart, caring for the poor starts to become a part of who you are. Right? You no longer need convincing. You read the Bible verses, you're like, oh, yeah, duh. Of course, that's part of what the kingdom is. It's part of what's happening in my heart that I need to care for the poor. See, real transformation starts with the heart, not with behavior modification. And in the American church, we flip that on its head somehow. So all the sermons are do this, don't do that, do more of this, don't do that. And we leave feeling condemned and, and wow. See, the thing is this. We love behavior modification because it's measurable, invisible. And it makes us feel good about ourselves. But while we're focused and concerned with making progress forward, God is primarily concerned with making progress inward. Because that's where real sustainable change happens. It happens in here. 
See, the thing about following Jesus, the miracle of following Jesus, is that we get to become who we're created to be. Because the kingdom of God is like yeast. And when it enters our hearts, it's formative. It's slow, but there's this process, this silent process of all this. The Bible calls it sanctification. But there's this process where it starts to take shape and form in our lives. And the lump of raw dough is no longer enough for us. We start to long for the transformative work of God in our hearts and in our world. So we pray, God, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, and we mean it. Because it's something in here. There's something, there's just metamorphosis that's happening in our hearts where we're changing. Our desires are changing. Our ambitions are changing. Our values are changing. They're becoming more reflective of who God is. And all of a sudden, our behaviors start to change. We're saying, what's happening? The kingdom of God is like yeast. But we so often dupe ourselves into settling for behavior modification. Um, Last spring, I was really struggling with my prayer life. You know, I'm a pastor, so I get paid to pray. It's part of my job. <laughs> but I was really struggling with my prayer life because I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but my prayer just felt doughy. <laughs> you know, just kind of like muck, muck. Like I'm doing it, but it's like, it's the doughy. There's, there's no sense of like formation and life and vitality in it. And I was really struggling with it. It's some, and it, I'm telling myself the whole time, the more and more I'm doing this, the more it feels like I'm going through the motions, but I need to do this because I'm a pastor. What would the church do if they found out I couldn't pray? <laughs> and I wanted my prayer life to feel more natural, less like a job. And one day I stumbled across this daily book of prayer. In this book, it's, it's about this thick, and for every day of the week, there's a page, and it's got the date at the top, and then it's a page full of prayer. And I thought, this is interesting. I, I, should, I should look at this. And so I started reading other people's prayers. And at first, it was really hard for me to do. I'm a pastor. I, I should not be reading other people's prayers. I should be making up my own. <laughs> what kind of pastor can't even make up his own prayers? I'm relying on reading these prayers. But what happened is I started reading these prayers written by other people, and I found myself being formed through these prayers I was reading. And it wasn't long before it started changing how I communicated with God. I found myself engaging with him more throughout the day, not out of a sense of duty and obligation, but just out of pure sharing my heart, expressing my heart, conversing with him, having him converse with me. And, and the weirdest thing, I started to care about prayer again. Now, I could have buckled down and got serious about behavior modification. I could have said, Adam, you're a pastor. You don't need no stinking prayer book. You are not gonna, you're just going to push through you're going you're gonna to modify this behavior, and you've been doing 15 minutes, you're doing an hour now. You're going to sit down, you're going you're gonna to get in a room and just stare at the wall. You're, you're going you're gonna to modify your behavior in such a way that you're going to push through this. But I'm guessing if I'd have done that, my prayer time would have remained pretty doughy. And I probably would have given up. I probably would have felt condemned. See, that's the real danger of behavior modification. The real danger of behavior modification is this. It moves you toward condemnation and a life of condemnation 
because the change that you're experiencing isn't sustainable. That's the danger. Because we've done it, right? We've, we've done the behavior modification without the heart being transformed. And we step into it, and, and you might do it for a day. You might make it a week. If you're really good at behavior modification, you might make it for three, four, five weeks. But eventually, it'll lead you toward a life of condemnation because the change isn't sustainable. Because it's out of your own will and not what God is doing within you, right? And the, the, the saddest part of this is not only do we end up condemning ourselves, but we become con- condemning toward other people. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think most of the church in America feels condemning to people? Could it be because we're so focused on behavior modification and neglecting the formative, transformative work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we move toward that? See, God wants to change us from the inside out. He wants our hearts. And I don't know about you, but I can tell you from my experience, when I allow God's grace to invade my heart like yeast invades dough, it starts to shape me. It's slower than I want. Behavior modification feels quicker, doesn't it? It feels more like, it feels more rewarding, like, oh, yeah, I did that. Uh, but formation, God's formative work in my life, it, 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 it shapes me even if it, it's, there's this slow, steady process to it. But what happens when I allow God's grace to be worked into my heart, sin loses its ground. My behaviors start to change. The things I was created to care about start riding shotgun again. And all the things that I was caring about that, that, are, that don't matter get in the back seat again. And so what I want to do this morning is I want us to receive communion together with this in mind. The kingdom of God is like yeast. It's formative. It shapes us. And so I think it's ready. Can you guys smell that? Yeah. Mm, starting to brown. Here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to receive communion together. And we do this on the last Sunday of every month here at Church at the Well. The last Sunday of every month, we have communion together. Um, Jesus told us to do this in remembrance of him. And so first and foremost, it's to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. But there is another mysterious dynamic that happens in communion. And it's this, that when we take the bread and when we eat the bread and, and ingest it, internalize it, it's an act of faith in saying, I'm receiving the work of Christ into my life. I'm expressing a desire for his kingdom to permeate my whole being. And it helps position us to become more aware of his presence, more aware of his work in our lives. And it it puts a desire in us to practice the way of Jesus. Not through behavior modification, but through the forming of our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Right? So I'm going to ask you all to stand with me. Is it ready? Can you serve that on the tables? And can we do this together before we take communion? And the band can come forward. Before we take communion, can we recite the Lord's Prayer together? Okay, let's put that up on the screen. And let's pray this together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let me give you a few instructions. As the band plays this first song, I'm just going to invite you to come. We have two aisles here. Come down to each table. There is a gluten-free option and the fresh bread option. Sorry, gluten-free friends. <laughs> and just grab a piece and receive the piece of bread and the, and the cup. And please take it back to your seat because we're going to take it together. Um, so as soon as the band plays and we start to sing, please come forward and receive the bread and the cup. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community. 